Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is up, Baseball Nation? This is the Walk Off Walk, the Major League Baseball podcast of the Mile High Sports Podcasting Network. My name is Andrew Detmer. You can find me on Twitter at AJDet. You can find the show on Twitter at Walk Off Walk Pod. And joining me on this gloriously, the weather is perfect today. Like, it's perfect today. I went outside for a few minutes. Unreal. But joining me on this Wednesday is Alex Becker. You can find Alex at a Becker Sports. Alex, what's up? What's up, Andrew? Yeah, uh, I agree with you. Weather is fantastic. 81 degrees right now, partly cloudy. Just a great day to be outside. And I wish I was outside. Unfortunately, I've been here at the studio all day preparing for this show. But nonetheless, this is the walk-off walk. We talk about all the major league teams. And on today's docket, we are actually going to be talking uh, for a short time about a, a team that I don't think we've mentioned once this entire time on the po- uh, podcast. That is the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, a, from the team, you know, they have been kind of irrelevant all season. The only kind of relevancy they've had is winning without getting a single hit back about a month ago. But they, and, then, and sweeping the Dodgers, too. They a couple did. Of weeks that's ago. right. They so did we, we did talk about them a little bit God, I, in I, that I, crazy series. I know you I, like that series. I subjectively forgot about that because... That's just a joke. But no, they uh, call up top prospect O'Neill Cruz, believe it was uh, Monday afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Monday, because he played yep. both Monday and Tuesday. And his uh, his debut, you couldn't have asked for a better performance. I believe he went two for four, three for four, had the, which is one of the hardest hit balls this year so far in, in the league. He had He registered the Pirates' fastest foot speed. Of any player this year at 33 miles per hour, I believe rounding uh, or going from home to first, uh, hit uh, hit a just a l- incredible double, which uh, he got thrown out at third trying to stretch it into a triple. And oh, by the way, he made a throw from shortstop, 98 miles per hour <laughs> to the first baseman. I saw that. Wow. And I don't even think the cameraman could actually keep up with the ball with how it, that that was a that was a Jacob Degrom pitch from short to uh, first base, and this kid is, he's going to be electric. Yeah, almost took the first baseman's uh, handoff with that throw. He did. It was uh, 98 across the diamond, holy smokes. Um, But yeah, wow, six foot seven rookie sensation um, from the Dominican Republic. Six foot seven, yeah, you don't see many shortstops almost ever. You don't see many players. At six foot Apparently seven, right. six foot seven. Yeah, geez. A guy, Aaron Judge, is height playing shortstop. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Uh, uh, unorthodox, out of the out of the ordinary. But O'Neill Cruz, what a stud. This guy's going to be paired up with Cabrian Hayes on the left side of that Pirates infield. Oof. Shortstop and third base. I mean, two terrific young players. Terrific young players. There's a lot of excitement there for Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, this guy is going to uh, make, I think, lots of waves the rest of the season. A lot of people are just getting to know this guy. Um, and getting familiar with him, but uh, there's just so much to like and uh, a very fun player to watch. Not just a skilled player, but uh, a guy you pay a ticket to go see. 
just off the hand without any without looking at it at all, does he remind you of anybody currently in the major leagues? Yes. Um he he's got a little bit of of Correa in him, I would say. Just that long, okay. lanky shortstop. Okay. Maybe not on the offensive side, but the defensive side. He's got that big arm, throws over the top, just like Correa. So I would say him defensively. And then offensively, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Pittsburgh here. Uh, Gregory Polanco, an outfielder, oh, he's got that big, okay. tall left-handed swing. So offensively, he reminds me of Gregory Polanco. Defensively, like Carlos Correa. Yeah, yeah. How about you? I mean that 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 comp is almost kind of perfect when you think about it. I was gonna say uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah, the yeah, hundred percent. Neither of them are big, are like big, big muscular. They're all the tall, the lanky, and just the level of electricity in everything they do yes. is like it's it's unfathomable. And also to a, a shorter extent, Jazz Chisholm Jr. These young yeah. kids who uh, aren't American, who aren't your typical American-born baseball players, that just add that level of electricity of electricity you just don't see in the game. You yeah. see this in the NBA. You might see this in the NFL. But you rarely see this kind of just on the field flash in baseball. Right. Um, I think the fact that these guys are kind of skinnier, they, they, I mean, he grew up in the Dominican Republic, probably didn't have access to the best nutrition and all that stuff growing up, played a ton of baseball, but you know, didn't have the, the proper trainers that these guys in North America or in the, in the United States, I should say do. So they, they have all this baseball skill. They don't have the bodies kind of, yeah, haven't filled out completely, but so much, uh, so much natural talent there. So O'Neill Cruz, uh, he has 220 pounds, so he has bulked up a little bit there in the minor leagues. But, um, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, you just don't see too many of these guys. And the natural flair, the foot he steps in between the white lines, it's like this guy's making his presence felt. Yeah, and I think we talked about him. Uh, ju- we mentioned his name last week. It's like fifth or sixth already in, uh, before his, his uh, debut this year. In, in, oh, yeah. in National League Rookie of the Year. Right, yeah. I, I didn't, like, I saw that name, and I was like, O'Neill Cruz, I haven't seen this guy pretty much at all. It didn't ring a bell in the major leagues this year, but I could see why. They were expecting a call-up real shortly after, or real soon, um, and he got the call-up, and right away, he's, you know, you see him, you go on Twitter last night, O'Neill Cruz is featured on many baseball accounts, so he's taking the baseball world by storm. Reminds me a little bit of when Wander Franco came up a little bit two years ago, just that yeah. hype around him. Yeah. He's a big sh- a shortstop, a lot of hype around him from the Dominican, all that stuff, so. Okay, so yeah, he was fourth last, fr- last, uh, yeah, last Friday in the National League Rookie of the Year. I'm sure that's moved a little bit, uh, plus 1,300. Like, he was supposed to be a star this year. And, I mean, he's played in two games, and so far he looks like he's going to be that guy. It's great. Like, two games in, and he's already ha- he already has a throw from a shortstop at 97, 98 miles per hour. That You don't see that from the best defensive shortstops in the game now. Right. That That's the kind of arm talent you cannot teach. That it's ridiculous. Like I watched, I didn't, I didn't see the ball. I honestly <laughs> didn't think he threw it, and then it was there. Like wait, it was a blur. Yeah, you blink and it's it's in the first baseman's mitt. Yeah, it's like he literally tra- teleported the ball into the. <laughs> it, w- it was just absurd. Yeah. And I know Anilo Piro out there. He is uh, inf- also infatuated with this kid and the, the talent he has, and he's going to have. And like to mention you with pairing him with Key Brian Hayes mm-hmm. for. You know, I, let's be realistic for two or three seasons because it's Pittsburgh. Yeah, won't it's be gonna, long. that's going to be one of the more fun to watch left side of the infields we've seen in a minute in baseball, maybe outside of Arenado and story here in Colorado. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, Jose Ramirez, Lindor in Cleveland. They yeah. were fun. They were fun. Um, but yeah, Cruz and, and Hayes over there on that left side, two tremendous young talents, uh, fun guy to watch here, O'Neill Cruz. He's going to maybe provide Pittsburgh a little bit of hope. And, you know, there's not too often, not too often in Pittsburgh, there's a lot to cheer for on the baseball side of things. But yeah. you see a young kid like this, they've had some big-time young prospects maybe in the past decade. Think of Andrew McCutcheon when he first came up. He was he was very uh, heralded type of player as well. So O'Neill Cruz, he'll bring that excitement, hopefully to Pittsburgh, and maybe bring some more fans into the stadium. You know, it's weird that you mentioned the name Andrew McCutcheon because literally I hear the name Andrew McCutcheon and all I can think of is a, the 2013 
MVP. Yeah. And then also the fact that he came up with Starling Marte into a name you already mentioned earlier too, Gregory Polanco. Polanco. And the fact that they couldn't do anything with that. They went to the playoffs twice. They got knocked out both years, either in the first round or the wild card. And so let's temper expectations, I guess, going forward for the Pirates, even with these two electric talents and then uh, a farm system that has a couple more kids like this. Because at the end of the day, (laughs) this is a Pirates organization that hasn't won a World Series in my lifetime and has barely been relevant in my 31 years of life. Yeah, no, I'm with you 100%. Uh, you know, a lot of people, it's easy to jump on that that train where it's like they have all these really good young players. Of course, they're going to be good, and it's automatically going to translate into wins and, and playoff appearances, but I just don't think that's the case. It is, you're right, it is the Pittsburgh Pirates, and they've proven year after year that even if they have talent, they can't really compete with the top teams in the National League. So, you know, these guys are fun, fun additions to the team. They're going to be good for a long time, but will it translate into wins on the field? And will they, you know, all of a sudden be atop the NL Central? I think that remains to be seen, and I wouldn't count on it. Yeah, uh, that's going to do it on, you know, the Pittsburgh Pirates. We did have to mention it because that's a fun story, and we do need to mention every team every once in a while. So, Pirates fans, there's your there's your uh, yearly mention. Onto a team with a lot more hype <laughs> and a lot more uh, promise here in 2022, the New York Mets. You know, a team who still sets atop the National League standings, a team who still has a four or five game lead over the Braves. I haven't looked at it this morning. And they might be getting some of their uh, their top arm talent back. You know, it was I believe it was uh, mentioned Sunday afternoon that Max Scherzer is slated to potentially uh, come back to the rotation sometime this week. Right now I'm seeing the New York post says he might come back on Sunday. So getting Mad Max back is, is imperative, you know, for this uh, Mets team. And then also uh, news broke a little, a little bit after noon yesterday that Jacob deGrom is going to be starting, is going to start throwing to oh, big uh, news. simulated hitters here with soon. And he might be back right after the all-star break. Very good news there for Mets fans. Uh, it says he threw a live batting practice yep, session at the their one. Florida complex. Okay. Fort so it's, it's, yeah, exactly. Yep. It's the first time he's thrown a hitter since he was diagnosed uh, with that, you know, the stress reaction he suffered at the end of spring training. So he's getting closer. Uh, a return is in sight, I guess you could say. And it uh, looks like Scherzer, he dominated his first start in his rehab assignment there in double A. Of course, double-A hitters, they got to be shaking in their boots facing a guy like oh, Max Scherzer. bad for them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what, you know, that's all everybody's saying. Like, oh, the poor, these poor double-A hitters having to face uh, Scherzer. But he, he should be back pretty soon, and I expect him to pick up where he left off. It's Max Scherzer, after all. There's not going to be any rust, any nervousness, any anxiousness, anything like that. Once they get him back, they'll, they'll have just another weapon in their arsenal, I believe. And yeah, it looks like five and a half is their lead right now over the Braves in the Eastern division. Yeah. So that's really good news for the Mets. You know, getting Mad Max back is one brilliant move that they they needed that, you know, they see the, uh, the streaking Atlanta Braves right on their tail now after being down like five, like four more games just two weeks ago than they are now. And now, you know, they're getting bad Mad Max, you know, top four or five pitcher in the game still, at what, 37, 37. Years old? Yeah, he'll be 38 next month. Yeah, the, getting him back. Oh, and then by the way, you're also getting back, which now, unfortunately, it is arguable because it wasn't last year, no. arguably the best pitcher <laughs> hands in baseball. Down, hands down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Once you get that guy back, and we'll see what he, re- I'm, I have pretty high, high, high confidence that Jacob DeGrom is going to be exactly what he was last year. It is Jacob DeGrom, but, although it's, he's missed a lot of time. But he's missed. He uh he will miss about a year. About a year. He was so. set down like right at the All Star break last year. Yes, yeah. So it's going to be a while since he's seen a major league mound. But, but I if, think if he, yeah, he'll be key for this Mets team going down the stretch. And if he's seventy percent, Jacob Degrom, he's still seventy percent better than everybody else. Yeah, ain't that the truth? He's so 
Man, that run he was on last year, you just don't see major league hitters get dominated like that every single start. I mean, he was just making a mockery of these hitters. It was, it was a clinic out there for Jacob DeGrom. Yeah, I remember talking about this last year with uh, one of the other producers here at Mile High Sports, Danny Bailey. DeGrom was on one of those streaks that could have seen him challenge the lowest ear Ray title in, in a single season of Major League Baseball history, currently held by Bob Gibson. He yeah. was actually challenging Bob Gibson for the 112. Yeah, the 112. You don't see that. That was, that was the year of the pitcher, too, I think 1968, yeah. which forced the game to lower the mound yeah. after that. So, I mean, for a guy in 2021 to even challenge that record is, is absurd and almost never happens. Yeah, where the game is com completely changed from where it was in 68. Mm -hmm. You know, Bob Gibson had something like 25 complete games. <laughs> I didn't think we were ever going to see anybody come close to challenging 112. No. And then Jacob DeGrom was, he was like 15, 16 starts into it last year and still had a, like a one, uh, just under a one ERA. You don't see that. You might see that in, in the first five games, but going, you know, halfway into a season worth of starts and that being the case still is just, it's unreal. And if, yeah. they, if they can get 70% of that guy, like, the Mets. I'm sorry, everybody in the National League East, Thank you for competing. Thank you for trying. But he, and here's your participation trophy. But if the Mets get that guy back and they pair him with mad freaking Max Scherzer, like, bro. There's just not much other teams can do if that's the case. There's really not. Yeah. It's funny because the, maybe their two most important players come postseason time are not even on. They're not even healthy right now. They're on the shelf. Scherzer yeah. and DeGrom. So they're just getting ready. They're gearing up. Make sure their arms and bodies are right for the most important time of the year. Man, the Mets. Well, just the thought of those two guys coming back. It's it's a scary thought. I remember uh, when he first signed with when uh, Mad Max first signed with the uh, Mets. Uh, I was talking with uh, Yankees fan, or not Yankees, but Mets fan, Anilo Piro, and he was talking about the uh, the feelings down south that it gave him. And like, as a baseball fan, like I'm right there with you. <laughs> Pairing Jacob Degrom, prime Jacob Degrom, with still relatively close to his prime, Max Scherzer, you know, in a one-two punch, like who starts game one? Like rock, who, rock, paper, scissors, I think. I don't know. I yeah. mean, Jacob DeGrom has the better stuff, but the, the bulldog mentality of Max Scherzer, you, I couldn't ask for a better one-two pairing in the history of sports. History of these sports. Yeah, crazy. And that's, how, like putting, how, that's like putting Randy Johnson next to Pedro Martinez ah. in the same rotation and saying, hey, go, go do your thing. No kidding, no kidding. Yeah, it does give some Randy Johnson, uh, Kurt Schilling vibes there a little bit from 2001 Yeah, with the Diamondbacks, just two horses. At the at the top of that rotation and co uh, co World Series MVPs, yes, that year too. Yeah, crazy, crazy. And how deep these guys are into their career too. Degrom uh, looks like he just turned thirty four three days ago, and then Scherzer turning thirty eight next month. These guys these guys are vets. They've been around the block and they know they know what it takes to to get hitters out. But Jacob Degrom wasn't even a pitcher in, in college. That's the crazy part. He's a shortstop. So his it's, arm, like, it's not a typical 34-year-old pitcher's arm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, a bonus, you know. A diamond in the rough, whoever the whoever the coach was that decided to convert him into a pitcher. I mean, props. Like, kudos. Yeah, big time. He deserves, like, 25% of whatever contract Jacob DeGarm gets. No kidding, yeah. For, he's, for his career, like. <laughs> yeah, he, he deserves a chunk of that, that cut. I mean, like, he's the reason. <laughs> and it's weird. He's only been in the league, like, not even 10 years. His rookie year was what twenty fourteen, right? Yeah, um, I just I remember him coming up with that big hair in the back. Yep. You know, he doesn't he has a short hair now, but he had the big poofy hair, and it was like this guy was nasty, nasty. The thing with Degrom though, like he's like an anti. Uh, who's the guy from the Bible with the who's uh, when you cut his hair, he was weak. Samson. Oh yeah, he's like the reverse Samson because Jacob Degrom was really good with the long hair. He was, but as soon as you cut it, he turned into Jacob freaking. DeGrom, yeah, the crap. Yeah. yeah, he went He went from a good pitcher and all-star to an elite pitcher and maybe the best like pitcher in the, the game. the elite pitcher. Exactly. Like, yeah. I can't think of any pitcher right now that if you, if Matt, if Jacob DeGrom is on the mound, who, who like, there's no other ace maybe outside of his teammate that I would be comfortable pairing, it up, pairing him up with if you're the opposite team and saying, hey, we have a realistic shot at winning this game. Mm-hmm. 
So if the Mets can just do what they're doing, ride that wave until these guys come back, they'll be in a great, great position. They, they, yep. Yeah, if they can just remain in first place, keep the Braves about four to five games back at least, yeah, they'll be, they'll be sitting pretty. Yeah, uh, that's going to do it for that. Uh, caught this this morning as I was waking up. It wasn't in the original rundown of the show, but it brings up a really good discussion. Going to start off this uh, segment with stating that last night, Shohei Otani had not one, not two, not three, not four, but eight RBIs in a game against the Kansas City Royals. My goodness. Now, without looking at the box score, Alex, who do you think won that game? Well, I, I, I was watching the game yeah. last night, so I knew. Yeah, of course, if you tell me that this guy had eight RBIs, of course, like I think it's an Angels blowout victory. But unfortunately, the Angels' <laughs> bullpen is subpar. I mean, very subpar. And they lost in extra innings to the Kansas City Royals 12-11. to Do you know they never led in that game? What's that? They never led. They never led. I did not know that. Shohei Otani. I saw they were down 6-1 to early yeah. in the game. Yeah. Shohei Otani had eight RBIs. The Angels never led in the game, which he had eight RBIs. And the Angels lost the game. Also, you know... To the Royals, who have no business putting up 11, 12 runs in a game, period, much less winning it when the opposing team has 11 runs and their best player, arguably their second best player, had eight of those 11 Jeez. RBIs. Drove in Shohei Otani had more than three quarters of the Angels' RBIs last night, and they lost the game. Man, he hit two huge home runs, yeah. too. Two big time home runs, the one to the three run home run to get him within, I think, six to four or no, it tied it at six, I believe. And then the home run in the ninth inning to tie the game and send it into extra innings. Yeah. He did everything he he, he uh, possibly could. And it still wasn't enough to beat the Royals. And what do you know? He's on the mound tonight. You know, yeah. he has an eight RBI game and now he's he's on the mound tonight pitching for the Angels. So, no, so I'm actually so this has happened five times in the history of the sport where a player on a team had eight RBIs and that team lost the game five times. I can't imagine that happens too often. (laughs) It really doesn't. I mean, he had as many RBIs as as Paul Goldschmidt did last week. They're the NL player of the week. Wow. But the last time it happened, 2003, Jason Bay of the Pittsburgh Pirates, old name I haven't heard in a minute. Jason Bay, yeah. Jason Bay. The Canadian. Yeah. That happened against the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Time before that, Mike Epstein in uh, 1970. Lee Thomas in 1961, and oh, by the way, one of the greatest players in the history of the sport, Lou Gehrig, Lou Gehrig. did it in 1932. Only five times this has happened in the history of the sport. I saw somewhere on Twitter, it's something where like, like when players have, when a single player has eight RBIs, teams are like 162 or so in five. Wow. So. Sheesh. Sheesh. And like, just looking at the is final this, is scores. Is this the record you want or don't want? Uh, I don't think you, I mean, it's a good record to have. It just shows you had a hell of a day and yeah. your team just came up short because of, because of pitching. I mean, let's be honest here. Uh, just looking at the final scores in those five games of what you mentioned, uh, it was at 12 to 11, 10 to 9, 12 to 10, 13 to 12, and 14 to 13. Yeah. So these were all slugfests where the offensive guy did all he could for his team, but it wasn't enough because the pitching imploded. You you said uh, the Jason Bay uh, loss to the Cubs was 9 to 10. Jason yes. Bay had every Eight. RBI but one. <laughs> yeah. The Pirates didn't even put up 10 in a game in which one of their players had eight RBIs. Pretty ridiculous. That's just the ineptitude of the Pirates lives on. Yeah, yeah. Not, not much has changed since 2003. It really it, yeah, it's it's still the still the same. I mean, beautiful ballpark. And not much. That's going about there it. Good, good football team. Yeah. Great hockey team. Yeah. That's about it. On the baseball field side of things, it's it's kind of sad, too, because yeah. Pittsburgh, it's a fun city. They really love their sports. It's like a blue-collar town, and they, they really uh, are prideful on their home teams. And I think if the Pirates are good, it would really lift that city up quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, it would do a lot. They would really get behind that team. It's just they have nothing to cheer for. So the actual topic I wanted to discuss real quick here on the Otani front, you know, a lot of people give grief to Mike Trout when he wins MVPs on a team that can't win more than 70, 80 games. Same thing last year with Shohei Otani. You won the MVP, team was not good. Can we finally put to bed 
the fact that baseball play the top tier baseball players need to be winning games to win awards or be mentioned in the top five, 10 players in the sport at, the, at this time. And in Mike Trout's case of all time, you yeah. know, baseball players literally Shohei Otani did everything he could in his power last night for the angels to win the, he had eight RBIs, eight RBIs in one game and the team loses. Like, can we just stop ragging on these players for being on bad teams? Um, yeah, like it, this argument, we get this every year when it comes to uh, the MVP every year. Well, Mike Trout shouldn't be the MVP because his team sucks. He needs to go to a team or a player on a team on a good team. Right. He needs to go to Vladdy Jr. No offense to Vladdy. I love Vladdy Jr. These players do everything in their power to ha- have their teams win games. And when you're the Angels pitching staff outside of Shohei Otani, all of you have been dog water for years. That is not on Mike Trout. That is not on Shohei Otani. They can literally do everything that they want to do on the baseball field at will. They can do any anything that they can to do their, have their teams win. Teams can't win. Like, that should not be held against these players. Definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, I, for myself, have put that sentiment to bed a while ago, but... Uh, I think everybody needs to just get rid of that notion because you're exactly right. Mike Trout and Shohei Otani cannot determine how good their pitching staff performs. I mean, he 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 has no well, of course Otani because he's part of the pitching staff, but the bullpen and the rest of the guys, they have no control over how well they do on the mound or the other seven hitters. Exactly. <laughs> like if Mike Trout can't hit when he's coming to the plate and nobody's on base. He can't drive in runs, right? His RBI yeah. total is just not going to be as high because no one's on base. That's an argument yeah. we saw last year with Bryce Harper. Yeah. He didn't have a lot of RBIs, but he, all of his ho- uh, home runs were solo shots. Right. He can't help that nobody, that Gene Segura can't get on base. Exactly. So that it's just ridiculous to hold that against these guys. I mean, they're doing everything they can. If you, Their individual statistics should definitely be enough. The eye test should be enough. How good their teammates perform at that level is not up to them. It's on, it's on those players, and it's on the front office for not getting better players. Yeah, it's just ridiculous to hold that against them. Yeah. Uh-huh. Real quick on that, um, Shohei Otani was the first Japanese player ever to have eight RBIs in a game. Hideki Matsui did it back, I want to say, in 2007. Hmm. Had seven in, in a game, but never had eight. That's uh, a cool, fun fact. That's uh, that's Yeah, I like that kind of stuff. And uh, more doubting on the, the Angels here, Anthony Rendon, out for the rest of the year. <sighs> and you know what? This, this actually came through... About 30 minutes after we finished our last podcast on Friday. I remember I was driving home in my car and I saw that across my phone. I was like, oh boy. I think I even commented on uh, Jeff Passan's tweet there. I was like, oh my God. Like this guy, this guy has just been nothing with the Angels. He cannot catch a break. He can't stay healthy. The Angels can't catch a break. Yeah, just a bad, bad situation. Done for the year. Crazy. Like, and that's the thing that you really can't hold that kind of crap against Trout or Otani. Because like that, yeah. when the other big player on this team can't stay healthy for more than 20 games in a season, not even just 20, like not even like half the games. He's like, he can't be healthy for more than a quarter of his games. Like, how do you expect Trout and Otani to carry this team when literally everybody else falls off a cliff or gets hurt? Right. And their pitching staff, like I said, it's been dog water for years. Oh yeah. You, 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 you whiffed on Garrett Cole. Sure. Let's go out and get Anthony Rendon a third baseman when everybody in the every baseball fan and their dog knows this team needs starting pitching in the worst of ways needs right. bullpen help in the worst of ways. So let's go get Anthony Rendon. Let's go be linked to every other hitter. That's not a pitcher. <laughs> Unbelievable. And uh, with, with his contract, how much they're paying him, it's he, they, they're, yeah. they were really counting on him to be a big, piece of this team like i mean pretty much they're saying when when they gave him the contract if he does well we're probably going to be in a good position but if he flames out like he has they're going to be in trouble they're going to be behind the eight ball and that's exactly what's going on they're really depending on him for a lot of their production 245 million is what they gave him and he has not done anything close to that yeah and real quick i want to actually applaud the 2019 uh washington nationals because they got a fully healthy Anthony Rendon and won a World Series in the only year where he's been healthy. Oh, and they also had a whole a fully healthy Steven Strasburg, yeah. who has World Series MVP again missed more games than he's played since that 2019 season. I actually love it. I loved uh, back in 2019 we were de- uh, 
baseball fans everywhere were debating which of the two stars the Nationals should keep, Strasburg or Rondon, mm-hmm. because now both of them have been huge contractual mistakes. Jeez. Two of their teams. Big time. Yeah. The, the ans- correct answer to that is neither of them. <laughs> Because they Hindsight both have twenty twenty exactly yeah uh, I just don't know if the Angels could have seen this coming I get he is sort of injury prone but nothing close to what he's done with the Angels this the guy's only year I, remember, I recall him ever being fully healthy was that twenty nineteen year where he was second in the National League MVP voting hmm. the only year where he was fully that guy and if he could have been that guy he could have been a Hall of Famer right but every year it's something some nagging injury or a different stupid injury that. Like this is a this he is going to go down, pairing him with Mike Trout, pairing him with Shohei Otani, he is going to go down as one of the one one of the biggest what ifs in baseball history because you pair those three together, fully healthy for even three quarters of a season, and you have something just could have been historic from an offensive perspective. But man. man, it's a what if. It's just it's another one of those angels position players where they threw a ton of money at, and they have not gotten anything close to the to the on the return yeah. to what how much money they gave them. You know, you look at Pujols to an extent. You look at Josh Hamilton, two other guys they threw big money at. God, they I haven't gotten Hamilton. a return. Wow, man, remember how much and they yeah. they paid? Are they were paying off his contract while he went when he went back to the Rangers? Exactly. Yeah, it was it was just a massive mistake. It wasn't even the contract that they were like that they needed off the books. They're like just get off our team. Like you're dragging us down. That's how bad he was as an angel Mm. coming off like two or three years before he was the MVP. It's, it's the angels curse. I don't know what it is. These guys sign (laughs) with the angels for big money and they cannot stay healthy. Yeah. Even Mike Trout's been injury prone the past couple years. (sighs) Shohei Otani has been the only guy that's actually been a a horse for this team for almost a full season. Even he's had injury injury issues from the pitching side. Right. I don't know what it is. Bonker, it's abs- I can't wrap my mind around it. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, I thought the Rendon signing it was it was a lot of money, but I didn't think it was like a bad signing at the time. He was coming off a great season where they won the World Series. So, yeah, but, yeah, I thought uh, it was uh, a weird pivot to be linked to Garrett Cole, mm-hmm. and then when you miss out on him get being the hometown baseman. kid, yeah. go get third. <laughs> I thought it was a weird pivot, but I'm like, okay, should be fun to watch him with Mike Trout. And I mean, what's there been to watch? Like maybe forty games total. She exactly because either he's been hurt or Mike Trout's been hurt. Has not worked out. It really hasn't. Yeah, reminds me a little bit of like a uh, uh, Von Miller, Bradley Chubb. You know, those two were oh, so hyped yeah. up playing together, Holy and then we barely saw them together. Now that so. you mention it, that yeah. is almost what it is. Yeah, we, I mean, we were talking about Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, like, like the dynamic combining yeah. for like fifty sacks come under Vic Fangio's first year. Right, it was just insane expectations and never panned out. Never panned out. Yeah. Well, I mean, Vic Fangio was terrible, but. We'll leave a football. We'll leave the football talk for a different show. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, to wrap it up here, uh, a little bit longer than just normal wrap up. Uh, yesterday, Major League Baseball unveiled the the first update for the All Star Game balloting, and we're gonna go over the ballot, uh, the update, because it's something that I, I personally love. The All Star Game, love the All Star voting process, and uh, starting off with the National League catchers, uh, we're just gonna go one through five because nobody cares about six through ten because none of them are realistically going to be in the, the chase yes. come next right, month. Right, they won't be in the game. Yeah. Uh, Wilson Contreras right now leads with over 800,000 votes. Travis Darno of the Braves at 40, uh, just over 4,700. No, for, yeah, 4,470,000. 4, yes, yep. numbers, math, not a math pod. Uh, that's okay. We are not a math pod. We're a baseball uh, pod, yeah. Yadier Molina sitting a little bit behind Darno with, uh, with 454,000. Tyler Stevenson of the Reds at 370,000 and Will Smith of the Dodgers at 323,000. And right now I'd say the voters have the correct guy. Yes. Uh, I think we know who's going to be starting in the NL all-star game at catcher uh, catcher. It's going to be yep. Mr. Contreras. And if we're going to the, uh, the second round of balloting where it's the top two vote getters from each position, I really have no issues with uh, Contreras versus Darno. Yeah. Uh, me neither. Contreras, I think he's earned it. He's yeah. earned it. They're going through some tough times in that organization, but he's been the stalwart. Uh, he's been positive. He, he hasn't complained too much. So yeah, he's and he's and he's a great player. And you know, with a position that this year in both the American League and the National League, that's been rather thin. It has the the, the cream of the uh, the crop in the catching position for both leagues has really risen to the top. Like the top guy is the top guy, and he's 
that's really been the only guy that's been really tearing it up from a National League catcher perspective mm-hmm. in Contreras. Yes. Yeah, so he's the, he's the uh, I mean, hands down, will start in the All-Star game. Yeah. Uh, so on to the first base, National League, uh, Paul Goldschmidt of my St. Louis Cardinals at 930,000. Pete Alonzo, about 300,000 back at 602,000. Freddie Freeman, now of the Dodgers, still weird to hear. At 469,000, Matt Olson, the man who replaced Freddie Freeman in Atlanta, 403,000. And Eric Hosmer, surprisingly, of the Padres at 147,000. And, you know, same thing we said about the National League catcher. Really have no issues with Paul Goldschmidt being number one. He's right now still the betting favorite on FanDuel for the MVP. Mm. And Pete Alonso has been also in that uh, conversation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, no argument there. It's, it's a stack position. It really is. Yeah. I mean, it, it will, so many good hitters. Obviously, if you play first base in the major leagues, you better be able to hit, but Goldschmidt, Alonzo Freeman, and then Olsen to follow. I mean, what a, what a, how many options? There's just great options to choose from. Of course, Goldschmidt has riven, ri- risen above the rest. Ex- fully expect him to start. And he's the front runner, like you said, for NL MVP. So how could he not be the starting first baseman? Uh, one thing here, CJ Crone's got to get a little bit more love there. In eighth place, 75,000 yeah. votes. He's had a really good season. He's uh, been he's, better than the seven. He, yeah, so see, uh, Crone's eight. He's been better than Votto. I was going to say, I, I want to see his numbers compared to some of these uh, first basemen that are placed above him because CJ Crone is raking this year and he's hitting, he hits lots of home runs. He's, you know, the Rockies best hitter, frankly. So I, I would, of course, he's not a household name. So that's why he's so far down on the list, but give the man a little bit more respect. Yeah. Uh, second base national league, Jazz Chisholm Jr. sits at 634,000 votes as the leader. Ozzy Albies of the uh, World Series Braves, 589,000. Jeff McNeil, Flying Squirrel of the Mets, 580,000. Gavin Lux of the Dodgers at 256. And the rookie who's been up for about three weeks now, Nolan Gorman of the Cardinals Jeez. at 214,000. Oh, my God. Cardinal Nation is showing up for the Nolans. Yeah, they, they're getting to the ballot boxes. Yeah. Wow. Um, between uh, Chisholm Jr. and Albies, no real discrepancy discrepancy there. I might personally move McNeil above Albies. He's been just super important right now for the National League leading Mets. Uh, so I would personally probably move McNeil over Albies, but it, right now, like if you're betting for the actual guy who should be the leader, they got it right right now with Chisholm Jr. Yes, guy who a uh, kid who's still really young, good for the game, good for the uh, is one of those electricity guys like we mentioned with. O'Neill Cruz and Tatis just carries that level of flair and electricity to his game. He's just good for the sport. And yeah. right now he is, he has been the best second baseman in the national league this year. I don't think there's much debate there. Uh, I'm in agreement with you. Uh, looks like this race is a lot closer than the first baseman and catcher race. Yeah. Have no issues with Chiz home. So I got his first career ejection last Saturday. Uh, well-deserved. That was a terrible call by the umpire. He got thrown out of the game. And uh, I think he went on Twitter and he was, yeah, I don't know. He was saying some funny stuff. He's another guy remind, reminds me of John ja Morant a little bit. He, they love social media. Oh, crap, they're just uh, yeah. like those young 20 yeah. guy in their young twenties. And they're, you know, that's just their generation. They like, they like, uh, they like Instagram. Yeah, they the, like Twitter, all that the stuff. fun hair, the fun style. hundred like, percent. Just yeah. fun. Yeah. Those two remind me of uh, they're alike. And, and I, I, I think I would put McNeil above all well he's just underrated he's not of a, as big of a name as albies but he really gets it done so i'd go chisholm mcneil and then albies yeah and i have no argument with that at all uh third base manny machado the padres leaving uh leading right now at nine hundred sixty-nine thousand. but we don't know if that's going to if he's going to be able to play in the all-star game the uh sprained his ankle real but real bad yeah. sunday afternoon were you there yeah i was there for that um i actually had a pretty good pretty good seats that day too and I couldn't see how bad he turned his ankle until I saw a replay. I thought he like collided with CJ Crone and was mm-hmm. down on the ground. I couldn't tell. And then they show the replay and his ankle freaking snapped. And yeah. uh, I can't believe x-rays were negative. I thought for I, yeah. sure there was some structural damage there. Because we saw the exact same injury happen to Bryce Harper a couple years ago. Yeah, when he slipped and on the base. Yeah, that, The exact same issue, <laughs> slipping on the base. And he was out for the rest of the season. Yeah, and Manny Machado just, I guess he's built different. I guess because so. Just a sprain, no, no permanent damage whatsoever, no break, no. It was just a sprain, and he got really freaking lucky because that looked really bad. Oh yeah, 
I, I, you know, if you would have told me he his x-rays would have came back negative, I would have laughed. I'd be like, did you see the play? Yeah. Um, so good news for him. Good news for the Padres because he, he's a guy, especially with Tatis still out, that you really need. Um, I wouldn't expect him to miss too much time. They yeah. said, I think I saw a tweet from one of their beat writers. They said he was walking around the clubhouse oh. just fine, like yesterday. <laughs> so could turn out that yes, the guy is made different. of. Yeah, he just built different. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so Machado is right now in the first place. Nolan Arenado of the Cardinals at 581,000. Austin Riley at 557,000. Justin Turner of the Dodgers, who will be hosting this year's All-Star Game at 254,000 and Eduardo Escobar of the Mets 234,000 and again Machado right now is the favorite he's the leading candidate and he should be he's been the best third baseman in the National League and that's coming from me a Nolan Arenado fan huge stan you know actually referred to Nolan by Eric Goodman of Goodman and Mason here oh, at yeah, Mile High Sports yeah. but Machado has been that he has been better and he, he should if he's healthy, he should be starting. Yes. Uh, I echo, totally echo that. He should be the starter. He's having a fantastic year. Uh, shortstops right now, the uh, Dodgers shortstop, Trey Turner, leading the race at 811,000. Dansby Swanson of the Braves, 599. Uh, Francisco Lindor, 521,000. Tommy Edmond of the Cardinals at 277,000. And a guy who... Should not oh be on gosh. the ballot because he hasn't touched a bat this year. Fernando Tatis Jr. at 165,000. Yeah, I'm sure he's earned every single one of those votes this year. Like, can, like not even getting into the one-two conversation real quick. Why is Tatis even on the ballot? He should not even be eligible. Yeah, he shouldn't be. He hasn't played a single game. Oh, he hasn't wow. swung a bat at all in a in a even a minor league rehab yet, much less in, in the, the show. That's just like, why is he on the ballot to begin with? Yeah. I, yeah. Wh why is he even eligible? Exactly. If like if you want to write him in, write him in, but he should not be a voting eligible person. This is why that the all-star game balloting. I don't think of it as a joke because I love it, but that's why a lot of people refer to it as a joke. Yeah. You have players who haven't touched a single bat, a, a played in a single game, caught a ball at all that are on the ballot. And right now, Tatis Jr. is sitting above 10 or five other guys who have been not maybe not great, but they've added to their team's win total. They've actually been productive. Right. And why is he even close to the top five, much less in the top five? Beats me. Beats me. It's the name recognition. People like Fernando Tatis, and they're going to vote for him regardless if he's even healthy enough to play it's or not. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's just he's a big name. I mean, I, I was yeah, I was at two of the Padres Rockies games last weekend. By far, the the most frequent jersey I saw was a Tatis Junior twenty three. Yeah, so people I mean, love he is him. one of the faces of the sport. Yeah, but he shouldn't be on the ballot this year. Uh, Turner versus Swanson for the one two. I Trey Turner has not been fantastic, but he his o overall numbers are well rounded enough to say he has been the favorite. And then Swanson for the Braves, no surprise there. You know, Braves country comes up big for their guys, and they are the reigning World Series champions. Yes. Yeah, I noticed that. Braves really, uh, they really like to vote their guys in, no doubt about yep. that. Um, and then I have no problems with Trey Turner being number one at shortstop. Uh, just a really good, really good all-around player. Can do a little bit of everything there, so he's deserving. And onto the DH, uh, Bryce Harper, the Phillies, leads with over a million votes. The first I think we've seen Sheesh. yet of in the National League. Uh, William Contreras of the Braves, 584,000. Albert Pujols of the Cardinals at 344,000. Shouldn't be that close to the top five, much less in the top three. Different situation. Uh, Max Muncy of the Dodgers at 189,000. J.D. Davis of the Mets at 134. You know, and Bryce Harper's in the running for the, Nas for the National League MVP again this year. Been really good. And, I mean, I have no issue between him and Contreras, thank you for being as good as you have been, but it's Bryce Harper, and I have no issues. Yeah, uh, not much of an argument here. I don't think yeah. anybody can reasonably say anybody else besides Bryce Harper. Of course, with the arm injuries, he's he's the DH this year for the Phillies, um, and he's got, yeah, like you said, over a million votes, not even close. Contreras is the only guy I think that's in the same conversation as this guy could be in the All-Star game as a DH. Other than that, it's Harper's as a runaway. Yeah. Uh, onto, the, onto the outfielders. Mookie Betts of the Dodgers recently won the IR with a cracked rib. 
I believe right yeah. now leads the National League with 1,446,000 uh, <laughs> votes. Ronald Acuna Jr. at 130, uh, 1,300,000. Uh, Jock Peterson, 630. Starling Marte at 469. Juan Soto, who has been bad this year, I don't want to say that aloud, at 451,000. And Adam Duvall of the Braves at 332,000. And uh, Betts, Acuna, Peterson, that was my starting outfield when we did the uh, the May one, and I'm I haven't seen enough to move off that. I like that a lot. Yeah, um, I I would probably like it. I'd have to look at all the I guess in the more of the numbers to see if those are really the top three. I assume they are. Acuna, of course, he's he's been hot as a firecracker since he's came back there and given the the Braves a lift. Um, but yeah, I could see some, some definite re name recognition here as the, the, some of these guys, like you said, Juan Soto, um, haven't been as good as how high they are on the, the voting tallies. I mean, there, I, you there's probably multiple outfielders that have had better seasons than him so far, yeah. but, uh, I would probably go with that as the top three surprise, a little bit surprised. Starlin Marte is that high at number four. I don't know if he's having that good of a season, but uh, once again, um, a guy fans would like to vote for. Yeah, he's been good. He's but, been good? Yeah, not top four, maybe. I was going to say, but, I thought he was having a good year, but not like really, really good. But Juan Soto shouldn't be in the top five either. Probably he's not. Hitting, like, as much as I love him and will always go to war, war for him, he's in like 215. Man. He's been bad. Just goes to show if you're an established star in this league, yeah. you are, you're going to get voted in despite what your numbers say. Yeah, you are not wrong. <laughs> Uh, onto the American League real quick. Catchers, uh, Alejandro Kirk of the Blue Jays at just over a million votes. Jose Trevino of the Yankees at 387. Uh, Salvador Perez at 266. And really, for a very weak uh, position right now, especially in the American League, it really has just been Kirk. And I know uh, we're going to talk about a lot about the Blue Jays here on this list because they're voting in bunches for their guys who, quite frankly, shouldn't be starters. But Kirk has been the best catcher in the American League this year. Yeah, uh, just looking at the, I agree. Um, it's not even close. This guy's yeah. got over a million votes in Trevino's. It has, doesn't even have 400,000. Um, one takeaway from this, I thought Jonah Heim, he's ranked number ninth there for the Rangers. He's been better than he's the ninth good. best catcher in the AL. He's for my, me, uh, he's easily been top five. He's my fantasy catcher. Is he? Okay. He's been important. He's yeah, been he's, really good. He's having a good season. And but of it's course, Rangers. it's Jonah Heim and it's the Rangers. Who knows? Who cares? Yeah. Um, but if it, strictly on their performance this year, I'd say he's top five, if not top three in American League catchers. Yeah. And uh, first baseman Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at 947,000, just under a million votes. Uh, Ty France at 596. And Anthony Rizzo of the Yankees at 445. I have issue with that. This might be the first time I have issue with that. Well, <laughs> Ty France should be the starter. Ty Fran should be the starter. He should be. Guerrero Jr. shouldn't be in the top three. I love him, and he's a face of the game. He's a future of the game. But he's not been close to the same Guerrero Jr. everybody was expecting him to be. Not even a whisper of who he was last year. Should not be the starter. Like, I know that Blue Jay fans are finally hyped about their team. Finally something to be excited about. But no thank you. Yeah. I mean, Ty, Ty France has been fantastic. He's not a star. But he's been the best first base in the, in the American League this year. Definitely had a better first half from, from Vladdy Jr. Um, looks like second straight position group that we've seen. A Blue Jay atop the voting list. You know, those fans in Canada are really showing up. As, and that doesn't change uh, either. Yeah, it looks like it's going to continue as we get down further on this list. Um, and it's not even close between Guerrero and France. There's, I don't think there's really any chance for France to catch Guerrero in that voting tally. But... It's just another one of those things. People know Vladdy Jr., and they're going to vote for him. Yeah, onto the second baseman, Jose Altuve of the Astros. 710,000. Santiago Espinal of the Blue Jays at 522,000. And Andres Jimenez of the Guardians, 514,000. Do you kind of want to throw out the fourth place here because he could be a star. He could be an all-star this year. Gleyber Torres of the Yankees at 379,000. And, you know... It's going to be Jose Altuve, former MVP. Uh, Astros fans love their guys, and everybody else hates Ast the Astros, especially Jose Altuve, so that gives the Astros fans more reason to vote for their guys. 
but he also has been these the best second baseman in the American League this year. And at Santiago Espinal, come on. Yeah, that's Come on. <laughs> just uh, I'd expect a Blue Jay to be almost a top in all these lists, no matter how they're doing. The way it's this voting is going, uh, do they? It's just crazy how how often they're voting for their guys. This is like the the uh, the Royals from 2015. Yeah, it's a joke. No kidding, right? This is why people hate the All Star Game voting process. This is why they moved to the two the two tier the two layer voting process. So this doesn't be an issue, man. Because it's like, I guess the Blue Jays are considered Canada's team, their only team in Canada. So they don't just have Toronto voting for the Blue Jays. They, they have all of Canada. They have all of Canada. And I get that. And But come on, let's be realistic here. It's a I, uh, third base, Rafael Devers <laughs> at 727,000. Jose Ramirez of the Guardians, 711,000. And then, oh, look at that. Matt Chapman of the Blue Jays, oh, who's been bad this year also. Jay? Yeah. Had 406,000. It's really just between Devers and Ramirez at this point. Like, my heart says Ramirez, but Devers has been better just by an inch. I have no issue with either of them winning the, the voting process, and I love those two competing for it. This might be the first real position battle where it could go either way and it should go either way. Totally. Because it's so damn close between these two. Yeah. Finally, we see a good race of good players who are both equally deserving to start for the American league in the all-star game in Los Angeles. Yeah, no, I agree. This is a, this is a t stiff competition here between Devers and Ramirez. I, I don't think you could, I wouldn't have an issue with either of them being named a starter. Like you said, both of them kind of outside chances at that AL MVP right now. Um, yeah, the extremely competitive Devers, you know, Boston got a big fan base. Think he'll slightly win it over Jose Ramirez, but yeah. Ramirez just as good of a chance, just as good. And there's yeah. only like 16,000 votes or so separating mm. the two. So it's not close, but it's close when we're talking about hundreds of thousands and some, what for some players, millions of votes. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to come down to the wire as they say yeah, onto the short stops. Uh, this one also kind of gets me. Bo Bichette of the Blue Jays, 585,000 votes. Tim Anderson of the White Sox at 528,000. And Xander Bogarts of the Red Sox, 525,000. And uh, thank you for coming, Jeremy Pena. You've been good. You are a, a one of the leaders for the American League Rookie of the Year. But you have not been better than Anderson. And neither has Bichette. No. <laughs> and also, Bogarts has been better than Bichette. Like, I, and Bo Bichette's been good. He's not been an all-star. He's not been all-star starting quality whatsoever. And the like right now, it should be between Anderson and Bogarts. And honestly, I don't even know which way I'd vote for that. I like both of them. I like Bogarts a little bit more, but they're both really good. And it shows that if you wear socks on your uniform, you're a good shortstop, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's looking that way, huh? Bogarts would be my number one. I really like him. I thought yeah. he had, had a heck of a first half um, contract year for him, so he's got to play well. Um, yeah, so Xander Bogarts would be my all-star starter. Of course, Bo Bichette right now in first place, not really deserving. But, not at all. Hey, good for Bo Bichette. I'm, I'm sure he's not complaining about it, but like, yeah. And I love Bo Bichette. Yeah, yeah. Like, I love him, but it, no, no thank you. You're not that good this year. Under the designated hitter, finally, we do not see a Blue Jay in the top three. Jordan Alvarez with 835,000. Shohei Otani of the Angels, 555,000. J.D. Martinez at 307,000. And in fourth place, there's the Blue Jay just sitting out. Like, 6,000 votes behind Martinez is Danny Jansen. And Alvarez has just been that much better than everybody else. Shohei's been really good. J.D. Martinez, I believe, was your pick last month. Mm -hmm. But Alvarez is just playing at a completely different level right now. Yeah, he's, he's on fire. He's like 20 home runs now. Yeah, like, has geez. two today. That's crazy. He's good. Yeah, very good. We were looking at the betting odds for AL MVP last week, and he was even like fifth, fifth or sixth yeah. in the AL MVP. And as far as the betting odds go, as a designated hitter, that just goes to show you what kind of um, what, what kind of, you know, what he gives his team, Yeah, what he gives his team. And yeah, and he should run away. I'm surprised it's not even bigger, to be honest. I, the voting margin. I, yeah, I mean, there's uh, 300,000 separating the two between him and Shohei. Okay. But Shohei's going to be in the, in the, 
he's going to be up there. He if he's not the leader, he's going to be in the top two or three because Shohei Otani. Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, Jordan Alvarez fans, it's fans will uh, enjoy watching him. He's a, he's a heck of a hitter. Just those guys don't come around too yeah. often. And to wrap up the uh, updating. The American League outfielders, Aaron Judge, right now the favorite for the MVP at a hundred at one million five hundred twelve thousand. Mike Trout, the best player in the game, at one million two hundred ninety-five. Oh wait, look, there's a Blue Jay, six hundred twenty-two thousand votes for George Springer. John Carlos Stanton of the Yankees at five hundred four thousand. Taylor Ward of the Angels at four hundred ninety-seven, and Byron Buxton at four hundred three. And you know, seeing Judge and Stanton top six. It's made me realize Yankees are the best team in baseball. Not a lot of Yankees in the top two or three. Yeah, not, no, not Surprising. really. Surprising. Yeah. Because Yankees fans are loud and unfortunately they're proud. Probably a little more unfortunate than louder than prouder, but. And the top, the fact that there's not any other real Yankees outside of uh, first base with uh, Rizzo. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of shocking, but you know, Judge, Trout, Springer, Stanton, Ward, Buxton, yeah, pretty good group Judge right has there. Been the best player in the American League, and I don't like Aaron Judge, but I get you got to give respect. To, you got to give respect to player who's playing outside of his mind right now, and Aaron Judge on a contract year. Mike Trout, best player in baseball, no issue with that whatsoever. And then George Springer, he has been good. I I have no issue. I honestly have no issue with that one. For the Blue Jays, mm-hmm. and then Stanton, Ward, Buxton. I might have Buxton, Ward above Stanton, but right now the starting three right now is yeah. I'm good. I'm more than good with. Yeah, probably. I definitely the top two. Buxton for me is is challenging for that third starting outfielder spot just based on the production. There um, was an issue I had with Buxton. I don't remember what it was. Why I didn't actually vote for him myself. Hmm. But. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Judge, Mike Trout, George Springer, that that Blue Jay is one you can't really complain about because Springer has been um, their, their guy who, who really makes them go this year. So I don't have an issue with him being the third outfielder. Of course, Stanton is, is, is you can make an argument for him and Buxton. Taylor Ward, it may be at the start of the first first couple months, but he's been injured lately. Yeah. And he I'm sure a lot. exactly. He just hasn't played enough for me to, okay, to so be a how, starter. So here's my issue with Byron Buxton. How do you personally value batting average? Uh, well, like, uh, how, how, in uh, what, what do you mean by that? Like, like is I know a lot of people uh, devalue batting average because uh-huh. it it takes into all hits, not just if they're slugging. Yeah, singles are weighed as much as home runs. Right. Like, do you still look at batting average as a stat that has a lot of value to it? Yeah, I think it still holds value. I know it's not as popular as it used to be, but it definitely holds, still holds value. My issue with Byron Buxton, he's hitting two twenty eight. Wow. For all the home okay. runs, for everything that he's doing, he's hitting 228. Like, that's not, I mean, that, that's serviceable. And his OPS plus is 151. Like, there's no debating that. He's been great. OPS itself is 882. But batting average itself, it's not great. Yeah, 228. That's just, that's really low. This is a guy that's never going to hit for high average, though. He I'd expect every last year. year. Did he really? And I mean, granted, that's sixty-one games. Sixty-one games. Okay, but that's still three hundred. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, uh, he's always going to be a guy who's going to strike out a lot, but yeah. he's, now you know he's, he's putting the home runs together, and he's going to steal you a lot of bases as well. Uh, I just think he's a dynamic player. Yeah, there's no like he is also of that Tatis the build. Like mm-hmm. he's uh, small, he's tall but small. Yeah, he just has the electricity in his bat just to keep pumping out what he does, the production he does. Right. And a, an elite athlete too. Yeah, I, I'd oh, put phenomenal him as maybe athlete. the best athlete in the game. Yeah. yeah, that type of player. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, those one, two, three. Buxton, I would have. I would definitely have higher uh, than number six. But the top three is that's the that there's uh, with him there is at least a debate to be had. You know, he has been phenomenal in every other category outside of the of batting, batting average. But if right. you if you're one of those people, I still do personally value batting average highly. Like I get the debate where like well it, you singles are weighed as much as home runs so there there is a little bit of discrepancy there but I still do value batting average high so I don't have him in the top three because of that okay but everything else with Buxton is sparkling exactly yeah 
and with all the advanced stats and advanced analytics, people look at that more. And yeah. so that's why he's, he's valued as high as he is, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, no issues with the top three or the top six. Uh, should be a fun balloting update here until, I believe, what, Ju- uh, July 5th or 6th when the starters get announced. Yeah. Looking and forward to it. People got to get to the ballot boxes and vote those Blue Jays out, some of those guys that don't deserve it. Please, please, uh, please. Santiago Espinal has no business being second and second baseman in the AL. That, that's why I don't worry about him being second because he's, he's going to go into the same balloting, uh, second round of balloting with Jose Altuve, mm-hmm. who, I mean is clearly going to be the starter. Right. Because he has clearly been the best second baseman in the league this year. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode of the Walk-Off Walk. Alex, once again, can't think enough. Of course, man. Of course. Love doing these podcasts. Another good one today. You can find Alex at A. Becker Sports. I, myself, Andrew Detmer at AJ Det. The show on Twitter at Walk-Off Walk Pod. Find the show wherever you find your podcast: Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google, name it. We're probably there. We are probably there. Thank you once again. Later.